Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. And this is Robbie Martin. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the front lines of the war on Christmas from the Martin household up in Oakland. Um, we have a war going on against the holiday and the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's a very serious, tangible war that we are fighting in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Saving Christmas one step at a time. Um, just going back to the whole stupid culture wars that you were talking about, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let me just read Trump's tweet. People are proud to be saying Merry Christmas again. I'm proud to have led the charge against the assault of our cherished and beautiful phrase. Merry Christmas. Great job. I mean, what's so sad is like the juvenile and babyishness of um, what Trump did. I mean, just this whole argument is just absolutely the most infantile thing I've ever heard. Meanwhile, we are engaging in multiple real wars, killing hundreds of people around the world. So it's 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 stunning. Yeah, I just think it's funny because Trump was in, I think it was like in 2010, tweeting happy holidays or maybe it was 2011. He's not even remotely Christian. That's what's so bizarre about him acting like he's concerned about, you know, Christian meme of the war on Christmas. If you were a Christian and you took Christianity seriously, and even if you took something like the stupid war on Christmas meme seriously, like you should be smart enough to know that Trump is completely just like using your your religion. Like he's so far away from a Christian. It's just surreal to me that more of his even his christian followers aren't like just calling him out as a phony it just goes to show how tribalistic all this bullshit is the substance of anything doesn't actually matter because trump has effectively can just get his followers to believe whatever bullshit he tells them i mean it's all the same people who never remotely believed that obama was a christian who they all thought he was a muslim like the whole Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. so now somehow they think a guy who had his own reality show, talked about how vagina is very expensive on the Howard Stern show and all this like crazy shit about women is like even remotely Christian. Mm-hmm. Someone throws a Bible at him and it's just says, so, throw this around at the rally and yeah. here we are. It's so sad. Like I almost, I mean, like I don't have much sympathy for like evangelical Christians, but it makes me sad to think that they're that easily manipulated because like Trump doesn't even pretend to be a Christian like in a good way at all. It's like he barely makes an effort. That's what's so nuts. Like every other presidential candidate can think of, like as a more convincing Christian than he ever like was. Right. This is very, very well, odd. Well, it shows you that the more you know, we're a year into his presidency now, and his tactic is very clear. He he's just going to continue to double down and fold into his base. And what is his base? Alt right trolls and neo Nazis and Christian evangelicals. And yeah. evangelicals love. The Jerusalem move, they love the war on Mm -hmm. Christmas. They just love that rhetoric. I mean, I was reading a a couple articles just trying to get into the head of the evangelical movement, which is shockingly 30% of this country. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is a significant portion of people that I think that Trump has just hedged his bets. Like if he can just double down on this sector and only this sector, then he can maybe win again, which he probably can just because of the Democrats ineptitude. But these articles were just talking about how a lot of Christian evangelicals don't care. Um, They almost see it as 
you know, he's he's throwing them the red meat, which they love. And they just say, like, I, I think that Trump didn't really know us before. Like this this leader of like an, one of the evangelical groups was saying he he didn't think Trump really understood them before. And now he feels like this really close kinship with him just because he's let them all into the fold and let them basically just puppet him. Yeah. I mean, Mike Pence is probably the strongest, most powerful evangelical that's ever you know, held office in the history of this country. Since Bush. Oh, since, since Bush, yeah. of course. Yeah, of course. Duh, yeah. right? Um, but Mike Pence is scarier to me, and I don't know why. I think it's because um, Bush wasn't surrounded by evangelicals. He just was one himself because he was, like, trying, you know, the alcoholism thing. Well, he's scarier and less scarier, scarier than Trump for different reasons. Like, he probably can be more puppeted than even Trump could, someone like Pence. And... But it's going to be all the same forces trying to puppet Trump. But then, 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 like that aspect of Trump that makes him more like uncontrollable is actually has potential for more danger too. Because then he's just like a wild card, and tomorrow Trump could decide that it's now time to attack North Korea or something. So like other presidents, Mike Pence might have to have like a committee of people puppeting them and trying to figure out like when to attack North Korea, whereas Trump could just like hit the you know flip the switch like tomorrow. And we'll never even have warning like that. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, just going back to the culture wars, uh, Trump sets the tone of these um, divisive and babyish as fuck culture wars every day on Twitter. And his base just relentlessly will defend him and say, this is great. And the Democrats will just hysterically say Putin's trolls are doing this and that. So and here we are he in the middle. Left. It's all he has left. I mean, yeah. he doesn't even have policy accomplishments except for like this econ economy stuff that he's taking all the credit for. Yeah, and I love how you people know? are like, look, at you can't argue that he's like accomplished more. It's like executive orders are just like waving your dick in the wind. It's like this yeah. isn't even any. I mean, what are you talking about? Yeah, what his biggest promise was the wall and he's obviously not going to build that. So that's the funny thing to me is like they're, by the time that people realize he's not going to build the wall, like they'll all just be brainwashed into accepting it and you know even like those people he threw all the red meat to like i don't that's what i don't understand is how far is this going to go and when will some of them start to be really disappointed and say like trump's a cuck you know trump's a oh the alt-right people yeah, yeah. trump's just as bad as hillary right. like or any not even the alt-right people but just like conservative anti-immigration conservatives who want I mean, the wall who like right, actually right, right. wanted a fucking wall like that's nuts to think that he it's almost like crazier than any promise Obama made. Of course. I mean, it really is. Well, it's the craziest yeah. thing ever to say we're going to build a bigger, yeah. like, even though there is a wall, again, anyone who's watched The Empire Files War on the Border knows yeah, that there is a a, already a wall yeah. literally spanning the entirety of the border except the natural border that has yeah. treacherous terrain that people die yeah. of lack of water. And, and like, Trump also wants to put a wall, a wall on there. That. I don't yeah. know how. <laughs> no, that's the funny part. It's going to be like a more uh, architecturally like um, ambitious project than like any wall ever built like anywhere. Someone told I me mean, there's prototype for the wall at the border right now. Yeah. Some company has... Well, he, well, he posted a tweet showing the okay. different prototypes and they're just like, it was like such a very pathetic little like PR stunt, PR stunt yeah. that even the conservatives like I think that they were like worried to promote it because mm -hmm. it actually and a certain you look at it in a certain light and it's like oh shit he's not going to build the wall because these <laughs> prototypes he's showing are not the wall that we like this imagined isn't the wall we were told yeah Meanwhile, uh, of course, rules of engagement out the window onslaught of U.S. Saudi coalition airstrikes just in the last 48 hours have killed at least 71 civilians in Yemen. At least 71 civilians in Yemen. 
um, Erica Garner, the daughter of uh, Eric Garner, of course, uh, the man who was strangled to death by the NYPD pigs. For selling Lucy's. And it came out in Matt Taibbi's book. I don't know why the hell he wrote an entire book about Eric Garner, but basically the tell-all of his book is that he wasn't even selling cigarettes. There's literally no evidence that he was even selling cigarettes. So it's like even the justification that the NYPD even did that is like totally false. It's so sad what happened, just this impunity for police and the trauma for these families. I mean, can you imagine? It's like Erica Garner was probably just so traumatized by losing her father. She had two heart attacks in the last, I don't know if, if it was a couple years or 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 what time span between the heart attacks, but Christmas Eve suffered a second heart attack after she had um, her second child. Um, she's 27. Um, they found out that she had an enlarged heart and she just fell into a coma after this heart attack on Christmas Eve. And her family's tweeting out all this stuff saying she's in a coma, she's on life support. The NYPD's like in the hospital, like trying to prevent people from going into her hospital room. And her family's just like, help us. The whole thing is so sick. Um, and it just, it makes me so sad because I'm just like, why her? Why can't it be someone like Kissinger, like Bill mm -hmm. Crystal, David Frum, um, Mike Pence? Like there's so many people who um, deserve to suffer, you know? And it's just like so sad that we see um, really amazing activists who suffer, you know, at 27 years old can suffer a heart attack. And, and I, I don't know if she's going to make it. I mean, our thoughts and... And well wishes are with her and her family, but she's on life support right now, and it doesn't look good. And it just, it's just, it just really is tragic. Um, and you know, this just is going on the heels of that horrific video of Daniel Shaver being executed on the floor of the hotel. This is a guy who was at the hotel oh, yeah. doing pesticide control or something. He like worked for a pest control company. The first police like killing video in years where everybody was like, "This is outrageous." Right. Because it, he was, because sadly, because he was a white guy, and it was so, and it was so blatant. But sorry. Continue. Yeah, no, I, I mean, mean it, it I'm not is, trying to diminish is, no, 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 how no, no, awful no. it was. No, I mean, it just shows you that this is beyond like racism. It's yeah. the mentality of yep. police in general. Yep. Um, but but it was so disturbing. This guy who killed this poor kid crawling on the ground. I, I don't even watch the video because it's such like um, snuff porn. Like it's just so horrifying. And it'll really sit with you for a long, long time if you watch it. But I mean, just a, a long story short is this guy, someone called the police because this guy had like mysterious looking equipment. It was really for pest control. And instead of being a normal human being with like empathy and proper, I don't, I, I don't even know. I mean, these people are like psychopaths, like beyond anything that I can even like Blackwater guards, like in the Nasir Square massacre. I mean, it's like really um, animalistic here. This guy just is doing some insane disturbing game of Simon Says with this guy who has all all limbs down flat on the floor I don't know what else he could have done to not get executed and he's begging for his life and he gets shot I don't know how many times and it comes out later that the guy not only would bring his own like AR-15 on the job which is bizarre he also had the words you're fucked etched in the gun yeah. that killed this kid and the fact that just think about that for a second. Let's even look at his visual appearance. We're not doing a video podcast, but look up a picture of this cop if you can't find it, and you'll see that he does even have similarities to the cop that killed um, yeah. cop who killed Michael Brown. Yeah. Um, looked like a 
little kid right who didn't even reach puberty kind of like the like, idf soldiers that you see i know and i honestly wonder like how many i mean i'm not i'm not a doctor like i'm not a scientist but like is there something about this sort of like visual appearance of this like weird prepubescent like swat team like jackboot warrior that makes them more prone to just like like basing like killing someone in cold blood for just for, for just for no reason and i only say that because scientists and doc, like scientists have found that there is a part of your brain that doesn't fully develop until you're around 25 years old that sort of lowers down your like teenage invincibility impulses like some of the more impulsive things you do when you're younger um and i'm just wondering if like for certain people it doesn't ever kick in i mean i don't know how old this guy was but that video is so the guy is literally pleading and crying and sobbing for his life during flat the entire the video. Yeah, flat down on the ground. Like, and it's, I mean, it really does show you that it does, It this is a bigger problem than racism. And I don't say that in any way to diminish, you know, the terrible pattern of police shooting unarmed black men on a, men on a regular basis. But it's, it's beyond that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean... The fact that police are so racist and that they have tunnel vision where they'll just like suspect a black right. man more than like the average person, that just increases what I'm talking about of like police shooting to kill. They don't shoot to injure anymore. People are like, why didn't they shoot him in the knees? Why didn't they shoot? They don't do that. They literally are trained to shoot to kill. And it's all about officer safety. And that just keeps increasing over time to the point where. They'll just, I mean, and they don't, they keep getting off over and over again. Yeah, They're exonerated. Ray Lewis, the Occupy Wall Street cop, that famous cop, I think it was like a Philly um, police chief or something, and he would wear his uniform to the Occupy rallies. He, w- he did an interview with him, and he was saying that police forces specifically will hire, like, they'll do, like, personality tests and, like, do empathy tests with you. And if you have yeah. too high of an intelligence or have too much empathy, you will not become a police officer. Yep. <laughs> Every time I go to a national park and the grand staircase thing that Trump did is probably the, one of the most vile things that he's done. Basically, like opening these pristine, majestic wonders that make America great. Like literally, this is what makes America great and worth living in. And instead, he just opened up like 80 percent of it to just mining yeah. corporations. It was like, fuck it. Like, I don't care. It's like we really care about yeah. white Confederate statues, but we don't care about like Native American monuments or any other or thing, natural or beauty. natural yeah. beauty. It is disgusting. But before we get into that, when we were at the Grand Canyon and every time I go to these national parks, I look up how many people have died there because it's always like, you know, you're just thinking, oh, my God, like falling down here would be so crazy. And every t- every year, of course, there's like, you know, a dozen or so deaths at like Yosemite, Yellowstone, Grand Canyon. And it's always 20 something year old, like very young, you know, 20 year olds who have that invincibility chip where they just like are doing more daring shit. It's just really interesting. It was all like young, young kids who, you know, fall down or whatever. So but yeah, the Grand Staircase Escalante thing is it, anyone who's been there. I can't stress enough the beauty, the breathtaking beauty of this nature. Um, There's dinosaur fossils there. Like it is so ancient and historic. And I just, I woke up to that news of Trump opening it up and all of his MAGA sycophants were like, finally, Trump's giving us back the land. The government took it away. It's like, are you that stupid? Do you realize that what 
the government was doing was preserving the land from like corporate pillaging. Yeah, like, some of it. Yeah. My God. I mean, I mean the one in that case, yeah, it just Ugh. it just really weird too because it's like the government took the land and then now we get it back, but like it's just going to be like corporations. It's just so funny the way people think that that benefits them. There's yeah. really no there's a trickle down economics has been disproven. There's really no logical reason why they think that. It's just really strange how even like the working class people think that Trump is like is trying to even serve them. He didn't even try to make an appearance to. Like the coal mining thing is like his biggest bone throw to them. But even that is probably going to like fall apart and be obvious that he's just benefiting like the industry and not really giving that many people. All he has to, all just, Paul Ryan has to do is say families are going to save that thousand dollars on their tax bill and put out some convoluted yeah, you're language right, about you're right. the taxes yeah. and people are like, oh, I guess this is benefiting me. You're right. It, if they can, I mean, that, remember when George Bush got into office, he sent everybody like a something check. thousand dollar check. Yeah. Everybody relax. Like we're going to kill a million Iraqis in about a year. So just chill. <laughs> Just, just enjoy this. Go, go yeah. spend money. Remember after 9-11, yeah. go shopping. Remember that, that, remember that check it's you guys got? It's crazy, dude. Remember that check you got? Um, so do we talk about... We didn't talk about fentanyl. No. I mean, this is just a sad thing. You know, you know a lot of people are making... And I, I hate using this phrase. Not, I don't, I don't want to say they're conspiracy theories because they're totally understandable that this is a result of Afghanistan, that there's more you know, opium production and the pharmaceutical industries are just pumping more... Now it's not just heroin, it's fentanyl because it's like directly from the, you know, pharmaceutical companies or whatever. Um, a lot of this stuff is very convoluted and it's, to me, it's hard to develop like a coherent theory to trace what's happening in Afghanistan to the, either the heroin or like the opioid problem in the United States. But I think it's, there's definitely a connection. It's just where are the con exact connection points is where it's more difficult to talk about because there's like not very many people doing good research there. Some of it's very speculative. Like most of the stuff you find online is not reaching, but it's more speculative and it's based on a lot of previous drug trafficking CIA, you know, theories and framework. Totally. And like we haven't that. had so, any hard evidence yet. I mean, there has been like some, it's like Karzai's brother being heavily involved in the heroin trade. There's things like that. But at the U S like, but helping in terms of like, it, yeah. in terms of like a CIA, you know, squad yeah. or or the U.S. Army shipping out heroin in military trucks. I don't know if that's ever been discovered, but I would. I mean, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that it's happened before. You know, I just don't know how often or at what level. They, we know that they're protecting the opium supply at some points, and then other times they're like destroying it for like PR reasons or well, yeah, to I cut mean, off the Taliban. There's no way that money or Afghanistan's one of the two countries that the NSA is surveilling in total. Yeah, meaning. Full recordings, Full recordings yeah. of every single digital communications that's coming out with cell phones. So you're telling me um, that they don't know how to stop the heroin trade? I mean, at the very least, it's turning a, a blind eye to this going on, and that's speaking very generously. I talked to Mike Papantonio, the lawyer who's taking on, like, the opioid industry, and I asked him about that. Um, I asked him what, you know, if he thought there was a connection, and he just said that he basically told me that he said yes, but there hasn't been like that concrete evidence, like like the CIA contra cocaine trafficking scandal, of course. But there has to be a connection because why haven't we done anything about it? <laughs> like ninety percent of the world's heroin yeah. comes from there. It's now causing more deaths than car crashes, and I'm saying that because it is when opioids are no longer available, people will turn to black 
tar heroin and it and, and it can be laced with fentanyl or they go to the fentanyl patches and any of that shit and how much stronger is it than i think it can be well it depends on which yeah. kind it is i mean fentanyl by itself i think is like 10 times more potent That's insane. but then there's other analogs of fentanyl that are even more potent that are traditionally only used on like large animals like elephants and stuff and somehow they're making it their way into the heroin supply to the point where now there's actual like the DEA back in the 80s used to lie like when you would go to dare classes they would lie and say that like you know police when they're dealing with drugs have to wear gloves because like they could touch something and get high I mean like even LSD 90% of the time you know 99% of the time wouldn't even do that to you but apparently some of these fentanyl analogs if you touch them with your bare hands like you can get an overdose <gasps> they're like so potent um, that they can absorb through the skin and, you know, everyone is trying to recommend cops all carry, like, Narconon, that, like, thing they can, like, inject you really quickly with to make you come down for or recover from a heroin overdose. But a lot of jurisdictions refuse to approach the drug problem that way because they feel like it's, like, too liberal and not tough on crime. Like, it's, like, let, giving heroin mm-hmm. addicts, like, a free ride or something, you know? I mean, that's obviously why, like, there's no other reason why they wouldn't want, you know, it was political, it's just sort of the same reason places don't like needle exchanges, even though those are a little bit more dubious as far as like how helpful they are to the community. Even though, I mean, they're probably, you know, they probably are helpful, but they're like, you know, they're very controversial still. That's another really bad thing that Trump's doing um, is this like ramping up of the war on drugs. And I don't know yeah. if it's like Jeff Sessions influencing him or what, but he's like trying to appear really tough. He, he said that he wanted to re- reset the fight against the opioid epidemic, right? Yeah. What does that mean? And then meanwhile, he was pressuring Santos um, in Colombia, the president, to ramp up their coca crop eradication. And there was just this huge massacre that I went to Colombia to investigate because it all ties to Trump. Um, Trump threatened to relinquish the military aid to Colombia, which is the third largest recipient of military aid in the world next to Israel and Egypt, or Egypt probably not anymore. Um, But yeah, I mean, threatening to eliminate the aid package with Colombia unless they really ramp up this cocaine crop eradication. And we know through the UN, all these different entities that have pointed the finger at actually the government itself, the Colombian government itself is like in the top five entities of cocaine trafficking i mean it's just so ridiculous it's just like what you're saying about karzai um they like to blame the farc for everything but really like the farc only um is responsible for like five percent of the actual running of the cocaine Mm -hmm. and so who the hell else is like doing it you know it's just like crazy that trump's threats um are now actually killing farmers and and causing god knows how many farmers to just lose their livelihood and this is these are just the the really unfortunate victims of this drug war going on. And no one really knows that Trump is doing that too. I mean, there's so many things that people don't know that Trump is doing because the mainstream media and I would say the majority of all of his critics are focusing on the wrong shit still. It's so surreal. This Russiagate, we're in the middle of mass hallucinations. I'll say it again. Russiagate on one side and Trump adulation on the other. And it is, pizza gate or he's fighting the deep state i mean when you really get into the the conspiracy narratives yeah i mean even just today michael adine was again saying regime change in iran like literally saying he wanted regime change in iran on twitter and i was just reminded of the fact that everyone stupidly even some progressives think this still 
um, that Michael Flynn was actually like in opposition to the deep state. He was like a, you know, like fighting the establishment or something. But he co-wrote a book with Michael Ledeen. Like, I can't stress that enough. Just how that alone makes it just completely, right. doesn't, that narrative doesn't work. You wouldn't co-write a book with one of the lead neocons in the United States if you were anti-deep state. It was like the It's Philip like saying Zellico. Eric Prince is anti-deep state. Who People say that shit too. It's like, dude, what is happening here? That's the part that's so strange to me is like they keep twisting and twisting to find different ways to think all these people are good guys. But at what point will they realize that they're deep state? Or that they're bad guy. Like I don't understand yeah, when Eric that's going to happen. Eric Prince is the deep state. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? He's yeah. like, I, I, he's like operating rogue in Dubai and the UAE, like creating privatized armies, and and we think that that's he's not a f- globalist. Like I don't understand what the qualifications are of someone. And you who's know a- about the most recent thing with him, but I probably get to fuck up this story. But basically, Eric Prince was secretly working with Trump to start like their own rogue internal intelligence agency kind of like the plumbers esque mm-hmm. but not as sloppy where they were going to try to thwart the deep state from working against Trump from the inside so this is at what level of cartoonish bullshit we've already reached and but that wasn't like the Breitbart story that was actually like reported in mainstream media outlets like their Trump and Eric Prince are actually trying to do this together like a privatized NSA that they can use exactly. to spy on other people or just to like like a PI service right, you know right. ran by Blackwater inside <laughs> operated by the US it's government it's so like, crazy me? <laughs> I mean it's just like it's it goes be like even House of Cards couldn't write right. a story like this I mean that's the what's so fascinating about it it's what was Dante saying? It's like truth. It, the reality is stranger than fiction. Like this is. is not just stranger. It's more fascinating. It's weirder. It's more creative and fucking mind blowing than anything you can like. Write. Nobody would have been able to write. And it's this. impossible to satirize. Like it, like the onion. Like isn't even funny at all. It's like no, no one can even keep up with reality. Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live is garbage. Like every time I just happen to catch the Daily Show or even the opposition, which has really good monologues because Jordan Klepper just constantly trolls the alt right. But then he has on these neoliberal guests who are like spokespeople for think tanks and stuff. It's just like, what the hell? And then um, Daily Show was just instead of talking about the Jerusalem vote in a like a honest way, he was just making fun of the way Trump was talking. And it's yeah. like, that's just the extent of where they'll go with their yeah. analysis now of the political establishment. Well, it's all it's all the same shit. I mean, on occasion, you'll see somebody like John Oliver or, you know, not saying all these people do bad shit 100% of the time. Some of them will still have their own voice and their own little segment that's interesting sometimes, you know. Um, but like someone like Rachel Maddow or those people now are just 100% bad. You know, I mean... You, you just on like if we're just gonna go to like the idea of stopping Trump from getting us into a disastrous, awful war, they're just not. They don't even seem to care about that right mm-hmm. now. That's what's weird to me. Like, and, let, and let's talk about Trump's health really quick, because we, because you know, it is interesting. All of these Trump fanatics constantly live in an alternate they constantly talk about Hillary Clinton right they're living in a alternate reality feedback loop where Hillary Clinton won the election and Trump is still this anti-establishment candidate who really is mm-hmm. the underdog so this is the reality that they're living in a year past his him winning and they still bring up Hillary as mentally unfit um, having Parkinson's mentally ill 
um, you know, every having every a brain story tumor that was removed, which yep. is what Matt Drudge Alzheimer's. actually, uh, Matt Drudge like hint, like got that ball rolling in the first place years ago when she hit her head. It wasn't just that she hit her head and took a really hard spill. It was also like maybe she had a tumor and that's why she took a spill, and they had to take it out. I it'd be possible to cover something like that up, but I mean, yeah, all that shit was appropriate to talk about, and I even thought it was very compelling at the time it's well just the fact that she did seem like her health was failing Wobbly. and she was exhausted the coughing constantly um before she took the spill all that stuff was valid but yeah the right-wing media of course they just turned it into like a crazy frenzy and like added all this other shit to it that was what that that was mike cernovich's and on top of that uh, kind of misogynist special too, was all like about she's that weak you know, like a weak woman oh, who's course, like yeah. on the verge of like dying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So like all all that was happening, and but I think um, it's yeah, it's just so funny now how even progressives I see talking about how it's a distraction. You know, like oh, like the mainstream media is like you know latching onto this like slurring he did and the and the holding the bottle of water. But <laughs> and when I first heard about it, I didn't actually hear the clip or i didn't see the clip the other one and i thought oh yeah they probably are just like yeah over hyping this is probably is a distraction what clip are you to tell them what clip well the clip about. where he's like and god's blessed united states of america yeah it's like he's he's it's his speech about moving the u.s embassy to jerusalem right yeah and at the end he ends it with like an extremely weird slur that doesn't just sound like dry mouth it sounds like he's like losing consciousness for a second <laughs> Or it's really disturbing. <laughs> and then, I don't even know if it was on the same speech, was it, where he picks up the bottle of water? I don't think it was the same speech. But it was like within this, maybe like a week or two, where after making fun of Marco Rubio for taking a drink of a glass of water for like years, Trump picks up a tiny bottle of water with both hands and like lifts it up to his face, like doing like a, almost like a complete arc with both of his hands like a baby sucking on a bottle and sucks on the water bottle like almost like he doesn't have like proper muscle coordination or something it like doesn't even make sense like to like i have never drinking out of a bottle of water like that in my life it's like the way raccoons eat garbage yeah. that's the way he was doing it like if i saw let's say if we saw you know our dad do that you know at his age we would be like that's concerning like i would notice that and be like it's like, is he okay? <laughs> so it is, I mean, to think that Trump's over 70 years old and he's acting like that, it is uh, objectively concerning. Because that is a sign of cognitive decline when you yeah. drink water like that or and when you hold your hands like that. Yeah, like when your brain starts to go, it's not, it's like your, mu your coordination, your muscles, like the ability to like, you know, even write down your own name. Like I don't, have people been comparing that might be actually an interesting thing to look at is his signatures on some of these executive orders do they look different from when he first got in there or like has his signature you know but maybe that's something he's just so used to doing that it maybe you know wouldn't be detectable that way good but, point but i mean there's probably other signs that are more subtle that show a slight decline because just let's say let's treat him fairly for a second just the idea that he's an old man 
He doesn't have a great diet. He doesn't. He's not. Doesn't work out. He drinks like eleven diet cokes every day. Yeah, he's more out of shape than Hillary Clinton than Bill. Cl- he's I mean, he's more out of shape than any president. I'm sorry to, to body shame, but he is vile for the for the amount of body shaming that he does. He oh yeah, is disgusting. He's, and he specifically gets like these boxy, like large wide suits tailored for him by a really good tailor to make him look like he's not obese. Right. And, like, it's just a strange thing that he's done to, like, to, he, he's effectively created this image to the public that he's not a giant fat man, like right. Chris Christie or right. something. Right, But underneath his suit, you look at him playing golf, you know, I mean, he is, it's just really fascinating that he, I mean, like, I, like, it even kind of fools me sometimes. Right. It looks visually, like, it hides how big he is. Well, and you have all the um, money in the world. Yeah, and even his hair, like, as crazy oh, yeah. and stupid as it looks, like... You can't quite figure out what it is. If it's just like, is it a really good <laughs> weave? It's not just a toupee. Right. It's not just him growing out his hair. It's like something like more, like more like dialed in. Special yeah. silkworms that he's like yeah, it's, growing it's like, in some like Chinese yeah. greenhouse. Um, I don't even know how he got started. Oh, the reason I said that is like treat him fairly. The idea of the presidential, taking the office of the presidency, especially at that age, include the fact that he's out of shape. Like even if I didn't dislike him, I'd say, wow. That might be taking a toll on him physically and mentally. Like, and if I saw him drink the bottle of water that way, like I would just think, like, wow, maybe he's just really exhausted or losing it because the presidency is just so intense. And like you the know, job all is he so does stressful. Is like watch TV and just see yeah. all the criticism of him, and he just like, and gets can't angry and, yeah. and yeah, all yeah, like yeah. reptilian brain all the time, like. Yeah, I mean, there's a book out that I just saw, Demo- Democracy Now! interview with the, the woman, I think, who wrote it, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, Bandy Lee, I think it is. Um, and this is a book of 27 psychiatrists and mental health experts who are assessing his mental health capacity. And um, it was just an interesting interview because she's talking about how, you know, the Goldwater rule prevents, like, mental health experts from diagnosing people who are not their patients. That's just, like, kind of the rule of thumb for this... Um, for these people, but they have like protested that in this specific case and tried to say this is a really valid thing. And now there's thousands actually mental health professionals that have signed on. Um, they've held symposiums about it, um, uh, saying that it actually is extremely fair to diagnose him because they, they almost see him more than they even would a patient. They see his reactions, they see his interactions. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's just like, it really interesting. You guys should check out the interview. I just got the book and I'm and I'm excited to read it. But mostly just focusing on his impulsivity and like extreme narcissistic personality um, that they're very concerned with. And and I couldn't agree more because he acts like a petulant five year old little brat. So, you know, with his hair, with his finger on on the trigger of nuclear weapons and being puppeted by a bunch of evangelicals, it's and generals. Yeah, I mean, it's just, there's just so many of these knee-jerk paradigms people get into where they just, they're very reactionary about everything. And, you know, sometimes I even, it happens to me. I mean, like I was saying, when I first heard these, you know, sort of like, you know, lefty media types, like, talk, you know, talking about it constantly, I, it, I didn't really think it sounded like a big deal until I actually watched both clips. So it's like sometimes you just need to see this stuff for yourself and just not, actually like it's hard but sometimes it's hard to avoid digesting like commentary beforehand so but like it's always a good idea to actually look at the shit yourself and just form your own opinion on it 
Right. Because I would have probably just written it off if I never never saw those clips. Right. But yeah, I think something is definitely wrong with him, and just you know, if you if you're still able to stomach watching Trump do press conferences and stuff, um, just notice and see if he's fucking uh, losing it. Like look closely at like his mannerisms, and I don't know. Maybe we'll see some more signs pretty soon. Well, all I know is that he brought back Merry Christmas, Robbie, because it was banned for the past couple of years. Obama made it illegal to say. He said that he was going to put us in concentration camps if we said Merry Christmas. So I'm very thankful for our uh, POTUS Trump. Thank you, Trump. Really appreciate it. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Vice expose really quick. This is in, in the midst of the Me Too stuff. The last time we did the podcast, we caught everyone up on the Me Too stuff. And since we've done that, the Matt Lauer allegations with the secret button where he trapped women in his little office cave to sexually harass them and assault them and that's really fascinating and he got fired and his salary could have paid like 800 journalists like he was making such an outrageous amount of money Matt Lauer for doing nothing like what did he even do <laughs> like crazy dance around with like guests on the morning show I yeah. mean it's just outrageous that he was getting paid that how do they even make that much money on these cable news networks but I guess when you're funded by defense contractors and Monsanto and stuff um, who, who only covered NBC Fox CNN MSNBC all together in 2017 covered climate change for 90 minutes and then I think it's I don't even know. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but like, fifty or a hundred times that coverage was actually promoting like oil industry on those networks. So whether advertising or or yeah. just like you know puff pieces that had like oil executives posing as just commentators and stuff. So that's that's corporate media. Um, but so since the Matt Lauer thing, then Danny Danny Masterson from the '70s show, which I'm so happy because I've been talking about this for a long time wondering why that wasn't resurrected yeah. and then tj miller a violent assault involving a beer bottle in college i think another victim came out and he's just a huge douchebag overall i mean like yeah like he's you know i mean i thought he was funny on silicon valley i didn't know much about him but like when i started reading his interviews and watching like him do press and stuff like he's just seems like a huge fucking douchebag the very least yeah. It really turned me off to him. Like, I didn't even know about this allegation, but apparently it's been swirling around in the comedy scene for a while. There's a lot mm. of people who haven't worked with him because really? they knew about it. Wow. Yeah. There was already, like, paperwork about it. I guess someone re actually reported it, like, at she the university. She reported it to the university, exactly, yeah. but I don't know if it ever became criminal. So, yeah, totally. Um, so this whole thing, we Robbie and I were kind of, like, waiting for Vice you know, to hit yeah. because all these other news organizations are getting thrown under the bus. The people who run them are getting thrown under the bus for being predators. And Jank Uger is now like getting outed as like this predator. I am not offended by what Jank Uger said 20 years ago. I am just not. Um, I don't think it's in the same vein at all as any of these other people. And end of story. And he already like he, you know, he stepped down from Justice Democrats and whatever, whatever, apologize for it, whatever, whatever. But we were waiting for the shoe to drop for Vice because we know, you know, co-founded by the leading misogynist today, Gavin McGinnis, founder of the ethno, you know, ethno identitarian group Proud Boys. Um, and 
we know how misogynist and crazy Vice was originally. You know, it didn't it didn't really grow out of it that much. So we're just waiting for the story to break, basically. And Robbie covers Vice really well on a very heavy agenda that everyone should check out. There's a forty percent off code. Um, throw out the promo f- real quick for it. Oh, there's a promo code if you go to um, a very heavy agenda dot com and go to the on demand streaming page. Um, you can either buy or rent one single episode of her or the entire trilogy um, all, all on for one price and when you enter the promo code Santa Crystal <laughs> uh, capital S and K so like capital S Santa capital K Crystal one word um, you'll get 40% off yeah check it out he does a great segment on Vice this is before it was like hot to criticize Vice, you were all well, yeah. over this from the get-go, man. But it, but even even still, even if I toot my own horn about that, um, it's still not. People aren't criticizing it for their like foreign policy stuff right. at all. Right. The only thing that's happening right now is a giant expose that New York Times unleashed. But weirdly, the um, I think they did it on the twenty-third of December. Odd. That's an Which, odd day for a giant expose that they worked this hard on. I mean, it's filled with pictures. It's long. It's a very much longer than a typical New York Times article. Um, it's suspicious to me. It's odd. Yeah, like just seems like buried. almost somebody got negotiate. There's some negotiating being done. Um, but it, but it basically created an opportunity where the. I mean, basically the article is all about how Vice has a rampant culture of sexual harassment. Abby and I have been saying that that's been known, you know, known for a while. There was something in the Daily Beast that came out a few months ago about it. Um, I know people who've worked at Vice who've already told me that that's the the case. It's obvious. It's known to everybody. It's never been a secret because one of the things they do to protect themselves from it is what they call a what is it a non traditional workplace agreement, um, and it's an ND. It's basically a non disclosure agreement. You can't get offended by anything. Um, that happens in the workplace that has to do with, like, say, because Vice actually runs pornography. They run, you know, and I don't say pornography in a negative way. I mean, they run, like, yeah, nude you know, photos you know like and, genitalia. Yeah. They have, like, lots of stuff, you know, pictures of, like, pussies and dicks. And, you know, they used to have tits all the time in their magazine. I mean, they still do. And it's, um, and so that's sort of what they use as the sort of why they have this legal framework. That's like the main thing is because, well, you can't get offended by like this kind of stuff to work here. I've never heard of anything like that. Well, it's actually more, that specifically is more common than you think in certain more edgy, like hipster things now. Yeah. Because Vice started a whole culture. I'm not saying Vice was innovative enough to like start a whole industry, but there is like sort of a millennial industry of like people who are like, we can write about sex and drugs and like, send our employees off to like go like try like cannabis you know hash oils and like t- i don't know i mean like just there's like yeah. so much more like that anything to- goes yeah. yeah so but the thing that it i mean it doesn't cover what they were basically accused of doing which is like actual sexual harassment and um very common scenarios where like higher ups in the company who are male would like aggressively hit on women um who worked beneath them who would you know after they got them like really drunk or you know after they had done coke and all this shit um the article is really long i mean i recommend everybody read it but i don't really think that it hits the mark for me personally because i know that vice has done way worse stuff just sexually speaking than even what's in this article i mean just the fact that it's co-founded by gavin mcginnis (laughs) which 
It's really interesting that they don't mention his name once right. in the article. New York Times doesn't shy away from attacking the alt-right, usually. You know? Yeah. So, why would they release this on the 23rd of December? And why would they not mention Gavin McGinnis as being basically the toxic, like the source of the toxic yeah. masculinity along with, you know, that, and then Shane Smith was best friends with them until 2006. Mm-hmm. Like, so what did, did Gavin McGinnis just all of a sudden flip to being a, like a crazy alt-right conservative in 2006? No, there's a, there's a thread going all the way through the, or like the very beginnings of Vice Magazine and Gavin McGinnis was a f- constantly featured writer and by his own admission, he was the vision behind the magazine's content, like until 2006. Shane Smith was a marketing guy. So you can trace that thread all the way back to their old stuff. I mean, it's there's extremely misogynist shit in their old magazine, stuff that's not even online. I'll tell you one really quick story. My friend yeah. Daniela, who's married to a really famous musician in Manhattan, she said that she was featured in Vice, and underneath her photo, it said "sucks promoter dick to get in good parties." And she was already like, girl, like you know, girlfriends with her now husband. And she was just like, it was the most humiliating thing. Everyone saw it, and it was just like that's just one thing of millions yeah, of yeah. things. And, and I was, mean, imagine how long ago how, was that? Um, when their magazine was at probably like ten years ago. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, you can find a lot of their old stuff online, but they have actually doctored some of their old articles and um, deleted certain ones off the internet, but they haven't de- been able to scrub at all. So you can find, still find Gavin McGinnis articles from like 2003 to like 2005 that are virtually identical to like alt-right, red-pilled, yeah. silly commentary on like immigration and anything like that. And even in some instance, instances, they're not actually under his name. He has aliases where some of the articles like this would be written under aliases, like some of the more misogynist, like sex-based ones. And uh, there was an article, I'm trying to remember when it was from. The interview with Mers, right? The rapper? Well, that was not, yeah, that was one that, his name isn't brought up in the uh, New York Times article about this. the worst thing about the article was that story. You want to tell it? Yeah, basically, I mean, and it wasn't really that bad compared to other things right. I've heard, but it's still really fucked up. It's right. kind of like what you did, the story you just told, where... Um, a vice reporter is a female was interviewing a rapper Mers, and in the interview Mers asked if she wanted to have sex or fuck or something it's like starred out I don't remember what it says at the very end of it he's like man I really like really want to bang girls he's like can I are you hot and he's like can we fuck when I come and, and then she said no and that was how the interview ended yeah. and then someone changed it by saying yes someone <laughs> and then changed the title saying I got laid or something like so it was insane. And it was basically like saying that this writer had sex with the rapper that she interviewed. It was absolutely insane. And she What's ended up getting like a $20,000 settlement or something from, from Vice from it. What's the rapper's Look name? Look up Murs. How do I spell it? M-R- M-U-R-S. It made me not, not like Murs because I was... I, I liked Mers. I liked the people who like Atmosphere, Mers, all those people, Sage, Francis and stuff. And then I was like, wait, Mers is like a scumbag. That's really gross that he did that to someone interviewing him. <laughs> Whatever. Well, so this is really interesting because this, I, I, there is an on record lawsuit that Gavin McGinnis and Vice Magazine got sued for calling a girl a slut mm. in, a, in an article. 
Um, I don't know how, what the context was of it, but this seems exactly like something he would do. But it's fascinating that they don't mention his name in this New York Times article. It says, in 2003, which is around the time when Vice was running a lot of online you know, things that were edited by Gavin McGinnis, it says, he ran an interview with the rapper Murs, conducted by a freelance writer, Jessica Hooper, Hopper. Sorry. During the interview, Murs had asked Mr. Hopper if he, he could have sex with her. She said no and included that answer in her piece. But before the article was published, the magazine changed her response to yes. The and then it's and then see this is weird. They just let Vice's statement sort of play out. It says the editor of the piece at the time has not been with the company in a decade. Vice said in a statement. Mrs. Hopper was right to call us on our conduct at the time, and we are still ashamed of it. So this is really bizarre. Why would New York Times not mention who it is? And it's obvious that it's Gavin McGinnis. I didn't even right, remember that so passage weird. where Vice actually responded to the New York Times piece. Like, the, before they published it. And they're saying he's not been with us in over a decade. So, let's just... Why is Gavin McGinnis not mentioned in this? That is that a is very... That's a story in and of itself. And it let me so tell weird. you something else, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like go into too much detail because I kind of felt bad for what I did. But there was a guy who I've been in contact with on and off, who's been also like working on really like deep vice critiques, um, but mostly about how they like their culture of like misogyny and how they've tried to cover up their past. Yeah. Which he isolates it's kind of more to that. And and now he's focusing more on Gavin McGinnis specifically and showing how they tried to cover up his past. And then also like how he's tried to cover up his own past. Where he actually used to try to pretend like he was like a Nazi like soccer hooligan guy like back in the day. Like early, like early into his career at Vice. Like he used to dress like a skinhead and all this shit. So there's like all this weird stuff about that in it. Um, but the article he wrote was amazing about Gavin McGinnis. And like I accidentally shared a bunch of stuff from it on Twitter, and basically, it was an un. So this is a mis, mis huge mistake I made. So I'm telling this story so that people don't do this in the future. Um, that you can put stuff on Medium.com that's not public, and share links to people. Oh. And he's and and so what happened was shit. he wrote like a. 10 page long it was like <gasps> amazing Gavin McGinnis and he didn't publish article. it? no and I and basically I guess I don't want to say too much more about it but oh, no. it was there's a lot of stuff out there that's going to come out let's just say that well is he going to publish it still? it doesn't matter I mean the stuff he wow. dug up is very is, let's just say it's amazing work but it's not something that like a normal you know anybody couldn't have done by just digging right. digging digging and googling stuff because he found tons of stuff that's still online. That was the impressive part is he found a lot of stuff that was in print that wasn't online, but then a lot of stuff that still was cached. Google like cache archive.org files. Yeah, and yeah. Shit. You know, and I was like, damn, like this is really, really devastating. Like, I don't know why people haven't pulled it up yet. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is it going to take for someone to expose this guy? Man. Well, that's one of the things we were talking about earlier is like, why does the New York Times not mention him? And I hate to fix it on him specifically because he doesn't deserve it, really. But 
yeah, there is writing, a weird if you're avoidance here. Article about toxic masculinity at Vice, and don't mention the founder of Vice, who yeah. is like the leading like men's rights alt right figure. Something very suspicious by omission there. And there's also just another, you know, everyone's talking right now about how Vice, you know, treated people of color badly who worked for them. People in international outlets, even worse, who work for them because they have like tons of international branches. They have tons of them in Mexico and shit now. They pay them like Mexican wages and shit. I mean, they really get away with doing shit that like I don't think you can get away with if you're a media company. They're like doing what Amazon is doing now. They're just like filling the market by just being paying people nothing, no benefits. Yeah, just you know, and hiring tons of freelancers. Their pool of people that works for them is like bigger than almost any other company. It's like bigger than as far as like any other media company. Right. Um, They have so many different people. I mean, huge rotating cast of people. But um, I mean, I would argue even that. There's a bigger racist problem with Vice. Not, I hate to say bigger, but there's a problem with the, just their content. Racially speaking, like their video content, when they would go to like Baltimore and do like reports of like the crime, you know, like like mm-hmm. the black plight in the United States, it would always come off to me as like exploitive, sort of like almost like borderline offensive or something. Like it just seemed like they, they didn't, it just, and I'm not going to say it was like blatantly racist or like that kind of thing, but it was, it was off-putting to me. And it's the kind of in a similar way they cover like foreign conflicts. Of course. It's like an adrenaline junk, like junkie tourism. Like we're here in the ghetto, like, yeah, because it's fucking crazy, dude. Look at all the shit around. Holy fuck. Like, yeah, he's like, look at these ingrates, like shitting on the beach. Yeah, and- it's, it's kind of like. Yeah, and even yeah, and the earlier Vice stuff is even worse. But so I would argue there's a definitely a problem with that. That's like I would almost compare it to this movie series, and I've mentioned this before, Mondo Connie, which is like a weird exploitation, like kind of like grindhousey movie that came out in the I think the '60s, where it shows like African tribes like doing like rituals and stuff with like a guy narrating like scarily over the top. It was made for like American audiences, and it's like making all these foreign cultures look like really evil and like crazy. Well, they throw. You know? dumb hipsters with no ideology into like war zones and like you yeah. know different things and different cultures and then of course what are they they don't know anything they're just dumb exploitative hipsters and that's a perfect model and I'm not saying Vice is this calculated but that is kind of almost like a mirroring the Cold War TV news model a lot of the first TV news and like on infield reporters were like totally fresh faced like college kids some of them were like interns and that and the US government encourage that because it was easier for them to get out propaganda it was didn't even have to like force their you know strong arm them into it most of the time they just didn't question it yeah and these people are so eager there's no journalism jobs it's like of course you're gonna you're gonna do whatever you're told to do but but i would just yeah the last thing i wanted to end on with or do you want to what talk about that what i don't even know what you're talking about well just how vice you know all these vice employees now are trying to have this like save face moment where they're acting like you know they knew it was bad and you know they want to spread the word about it now no one talked about it before really in a bad light everyone like kind of distanced themselves from it who used to work maybe it's kind of like the intercept it's like that hot Mm -hmm. media organization that everyone is vying for a job at and so you're not going to criticize it and everyone who's even remotely like worked in the sphere of like journalism even for like indie left outlets has known or encountered someone who's worked or written for vice in some way right it's like fucking pervasive 
it's almost like how Red Bull Music Academy has like touched every little sector of like mm-hmm. underground electronic music. Like so many of the my friends and people that I know know people who work for Red Bull Music Academy or have worked for them. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then one of the things I've seen people saying it's a it sounds like a good idea in theory. Like now people are saying that Shane Smith is going to go down next. Like he's mm-hmm. a serial sexual harasser. He's a creep. Which is probably true. I mean, it makes sense. Um, and then they're also saying, well, everybody that came with Gavin and Shane Smith need to go. Like, some people are talking about Gavin, which is good. But they're kind of a- alluding to the fact that, well, everyone who came with them, you know, who was either a founder or co-founder, or who, like, is still there from that that old days of Vice needs to go now. We need to, like, restart. It sounds like that's maybe a good concept in theory, but the entire magazine and mm. their content is still like in the image of Gavin McGinnis. It's like he has his entire persona is like you can feel it still like and right. I mean like it or not, and I don't like Gavin McGinnis, he was very influential in that regard. And you can still it's just that's the, the fundamental tone. problem with it. Right. I mean, it's just it's not um, respectful towards women. It's not like sex positive in a healthy You're way. You're drug positive in no. a healthy way. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just trash. It really is most of the time fucking trash. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Despite it yeah. being like the biggest, yeah. you know, multi-billion dollar industry backed by Murdoch, it is at the bottom yeah. uh, bottom line. It's trash. Filmed on a DS, it's trash filmed on a DSLR camera. Right. With hipsters. I mean, whatever. Yeah, we'll see what else comes out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was disappointed by the expose. I really was. Um, Cernovich did an AMA, which was hysterical. I don't even want to get into him, but you should really check out this AMA because I think of when I think of Reddit, I think of a hotbed of like the alt right, you know. And I guess it's better than 4chan and 8chan, but I do think of it as like kind of more alt righty people who hang out on Reddit. So that's why it was so hilarious to see him try to you know reach out to his base on reddit for the ama and then just get completely trounced everything that he said was downvoted every comment that was upvoted the most was like either mocking him or talking about him the rape charge or talking about how he jerked you know just bragged about jerking off on a girl who didn't want to have sex with him i mean it was really fascinating um and the way that he's reacted to him getting totally mocked um is actually releasing an article saying like deranged leftists on reddit like don't bother me like i had a huge hugely successful reddit like all these deranged leftists like didn't didn't bring me down at all and it was just like what and all he did was embed a couple tweets of people praising him and it's like wow dude you you actually me thinks the gentleman doth protest too much it seems like you were extremely affected and now you don't really know really know what to say so you just have your minions write these little like fawning articles about how it was actually a success it was a success because you exposed the deranged left i didn't even know le- what leftists are like hanging out on reddit <laughs> it's so it's just so sad like he is such a dumb tool like i can hardly stand it like and you can even tell like um i forgot who it was but Guess uh, who was in the article too? H. A. Goodman's tweets about Jank Uger, and it's like it's like he uses H. A. Goodman for like that. Oh, does he? Crossover. Ooh, he pro- that's why H. A. Goodman's probably all still doesn't doesn't criticize him. Whoopsie, <laughs> whoopsie Daisy, um, clickbait. That's how it's done. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's just, it's pretty funny too that even like people, 
you know, like Roger Stone and Alex Jones, who are disgusting in their own right, they obviously don't like Mike Cernovich, even though they like have him on Infowars. Like, did you see that one where Mike <laughs> Cernovich interrupted Alex Jones yeah, and he, he looked very it. upset? And there was already like not even rumors coming out, but people who have like hung out with Roger Stone and like spilled the beans on private conversations were like, yeah, he thinks Mike, he fucking hates Mike Cernovich. He doesn't think he like deserves to where he is. He like wants like someone else to like replace him and all this shit. So like he knows people yeah. don't like him. I mean, he's so dumb. He's such a tool. That's why it's so, it's like the most obvious like tool job I've ever seen. He hasn't brought anything to the table that I'm aware of that's like, new or anything but Robbie he reported on the unmasking remember the Susan Rice where he claimed that he had this like, oh, yeah. deep, like yeah. deep connection inside the Trump administration and he probably does because these people are complete yeah. bottom, bottom of the barrel morons yeah. who actually think that Cernovich deserves a Pulitzer Prize well the funniest part about that instance was that he had the same source inside the Trump administration that Eli Lake sucked dick that to was hilarious to. yeah that embarrassed Eli Lake a little bit yeah that was the one good thing that happened yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> who, by egg the way, on his egg. <laughs> who by the way finally blocked me um, after asking him about the 2001 anthrax, anthrax attacks? Yeah. Oh, Eli. Yeah, Cernovich <laughs> yeah. blocked me too. Really? Which was sad. Yeah. What a little fucking. He bitch, cuck blocked dude. me, dude. That's too bad. Yeah, which is sad. It's like I will block you know like Hasbro operations and stuff that come at me. Or the Chris yeah. Kyle fanatics who are like threatening, which to are kill literally me happening to you on a daily, oh, daily basis. basis. But like I will never block anyone on this on our level, especially someone like Mike Cernovich, because it's like it's just sad. It's like it makes you look really bad, you know? It made him look really pathetic. It's like, damn, dude, you're just like blocking anyone who just criticizes you, who has a huge platform. He did the same thing to Kyle Kalinske. Um, and of course, uh, let's not forget that he tried to get Sam Cedar fired over a tweet. Um, he brought up this seven-year-old tweet that Sam Cedar did um, about Roman Polanski that was actually funny and criticizing rape apologists and instead just twisted it and somehow MSNBC like acquiesced to Mike Cernovich and like fired Sam Cedar temporarily. And well, they then acquiesced to a giant snowball campaign that... It was, it was insane. But wait, what did he, what happened with Kyle? Oh, Kyle, Kyle Kalinske, after he was trying to get Sam Cedar fired for the tweet, Kyle Kalinske was like, you guys are the biggest, like, morons in the world. He's like, fuck you, Cernovich. Like, your whole thing is, like, outrage and political correctness and, like, people being snowflakes for not wanting to have out, you know, like, be outraged at, like, dumb things. And he was like, and you are literally doing this over and over again, like, trying to get people fired for old tweets. Uh, so it's just astounding. And then he blocked him. <laughs> This is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, Cernovich is a complete moron. Read the AMA. It's absolutely hysterical. Julia Eoff. Is that how you say her name? I think it's Loff. Oh, I thought it, it was Loff. I don't know. So That's this is the girl. She's a super neoliberal tool. She's the woman who got fired somewhere for saying like Ivanka had sex, has sex with her dad and they have like an ancestral relationship. And that was the only thing that I really knew about her other than the incessant Russiagate badgering. Um, and, you know, the latest thing that she exposed in the New Republic was that the quote-unquote proof of collusion between WikiLeaks and, and Trump's campaign. What was the article? Nothing but kind of embarrassing DMs between Julian Assange and Donald Trump Jr. There was no proof of collusion. There's absolutely no, no anything. You know, there was like a, there's no there there. <laughs> there's, there's a big nothing burger. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know how else to say it. It's just constant stories coming out where the media is making themselves look 
deranged. Yeah, and the sad part is now the right-wing media is latching on to some of these stories that... I mean, this is where it com- becomes a problem, is the right, when the right-wing, like generic right-wing media uses elements from these you know, critiques of these propaganda points to sort of try to disprove them, then, you know, then the neoliberal side can be like, oh, like now you just sound like Tucker Carlson or so-and-so because now Tucker Carlson is like trying to siphon shit from like good authors like Robert Perry. You know, you know what's going on with Tucker Carlson. I mean, like he's a total fucking phony. So it's just... Well, the Daily Caller is the worst website next to Breitbart. But I mean, that's, it's all just like a ruse. They're not, you know, they're not really interested in, you know, debunking the notion that Russia... I mean, it's just... It's it's phony, is basically all I'm saying. Um, yeah, and let's get a little bit into um, the just Russia collusion thing, because really briefly I wanted to talk about the Russia collusion thing and the Jerusalem move. Um, yeah, well, Because now they're coming the, for Jill Stein. You lead that discussion <laughs> Jill about- Stein's a Russian agent. Jill Stein's a Russian agent. Jill Stein's a Russian agent. You have... You know, you have Hillary Clinton, like, henchmen who literally worked for Hillary Clinton's campaign. Zach Petakonis, who was the rapid response director for Hillary Clinton, giddily typing Jill Stein's a Russian agent eight times and just, like, tweeting it out. So outright accusations, like, full-blown McCarthyism. There's no other way to put what's going on. Hammering it down on political opponents that they claim are spoilers, right? They all detest the Green Party and they detest Joel Stein. So what is this all about? Well, it's 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 exactly what it's always been about, RT. Stein went to an RT gala or dinner, didn't take any state money, wasn't funded whatsoever by the Russian government. There were other media officials there, kind of similarly to like what Rania, like happened to Rania when she went to that conference in Syria. It was like, mm-hmm. even though there was like New York Times reporters and stuff there, they just like zeroed in on just her. So the same thing with Stein. Um, and they, and you know, she went to this dinner where Mike Flynn was there, Putin was there, a bunch of RT people were there. Um, Max Blumenthal was there, Sean Stone, like a yeah. bunch of people who worked there. And she went because RT has been really great. To, to Jill, we've hosted third-party debates. She never announced her candidacy on RT. This is this. I'm reading the Vanity Fair article. It's just offensively wrong. Yeah. They say that like we don't know who paid for a trip. We absolutely know she said it right from the get-go that she would never ex- accept the money. She went on her own accord. And then they claim that she announced her candidacy on RT. Totally false. She did it on wow. Democracy Now. Wow. So that false were just right out of the gates. Oh, right out of the I gates. I didn't realize right that. Right out of the gates. But yeah, I mean, it's just so sad. They still think again. We've said this before, but they still think Stein cost. Hillary the election that she was a spoiler we know that there were twice as many non-votes than actually votes for Jill Stein across the country which means people went and actually voted and left president blank um, it's a completely outrageous falsehood that she cost Hillary the election Hillary cost Hillary the election end of story um, but the McCarthyist attacks on political opponents and the left I mean it's just it's just astounding um, and let's talk really quickly about the Russia collusion thing, what it all comes down to. So there's this consensus, obviously, among the liberal establishment that Trump colluded with Russia, right? Millions of people believe this, and they're just waiting for that smoking gun. And when the smoking gun comes out, it's going to lead to his impeachment, and everything's going to be fine. You see, like, hosts, like, giddily, like, every time stories come out, they're just like, oh, my God! Um, I, I think it was during The View. I don't know what her name is, the woman with the red hair. Once this story came out about Flynn... And like the big smoking gun where Flynn, you know, that led to his indictment or whatever. Yeah. 
she was like screaming hysterically. She's like, and then he contacted Russia. And everyone was like, yay, this is our proof. Holy We're going to get Trump impeached. I didn't see that. And wow. then you read the so actual creepy. report and you're like, okay, let's, let's see what this is, right? So yes, the Flynn indictment does show that he's corrupt and that he's a liar. He's been working on behalf of foreign governments for like the last decade. He uh-huh. he took like half a million dollars from Erdogan's government, never disclosed that. He never <laughs> yeah. registered as a foreign agent. That's great. He also did a bunch of other shady stuff. Um, mind you, no one's examined the DNC servers and I think that this, this point really needs to be made whenever someone talks about this. Why won't they just analyze the servers, right? So, the, so going back to Flynn. Meanwhile, they have a federal agency Exactly. So when it all comes down to what did Flynn do with Russian government officials, it's so fascinating when you look at the actual facts because every report that talks about this hammers in on how amazing it is that Flynn like contacted Russian government officials. They never talk about why. Yeah. And when you look at why, it all goes back to Israel. It goes back to another foreign government that somehow is not important that it meddled in our elections or that it meddle, it meddles at all in our government whatsoever, or that it's like telling U.S. officials to pressure other governments to vote on behalf of their interests. Yeah. And so this is what it all comes down to. Um, brazen collusion with Israel to basically undermine U.S. policy and violate international law. The statement of offense against Flynn said that a senior member of the Trump transition team of course, later found out to be Jared Kushner, who's very close with Netanyahu himself. He actually has Netanyahu stay in his like family's home when yeah. BB comes to New York. They have like a little room for him in their house. So this is Trump's son-in-law. So Jared Kushner ordered Flynn to contact Russian government officials to urge them to vote against or delay the UN resolution back in December 2016 that condemned Israeli settlement expansion. This was when Obama was like, remember that abstention? It was like a big deal that the US abstained from the vote and everyone was like, oh my God, Obama really like made this weird platitude, Uh even though it was a kind of a nothing platitude. That was like, so what was the Trump transition team doing while they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off? They were just super concerned about this vote. It's like, instead of like getting their shit together and, you know, forming an administration that was coherent and competent, they were just obsessed with trying to pressure government officials to to vote against this resolution. Absolutely fascinating that that's what it really comes down to. And remember, Kushner uh, was the head of the Kushner Family Foundation that basically just for a decade profited immensely and and also donated a huge amount of money to build illegal settlements in the West Bank. Um, So at the end of the day, this story really comes back to agents of Israeli influence and all of the coverage omits the source of the question. It's like everyone's covering like, oh my God, Flynn talked to a Russian government official, but they're not (laughs) saying an Israeli government official forced them to do that. I mean, it's shocking when you yeah. look at that's what they're talking about and that's the indictment against Flynn. Um, I couldn't believe it when this came out. I just I felt like I was just in another reality again. It's like realities piled on top of each other. It's like the multiverse. Yeah. With, well, the, it's it's Marvel. really interesting because it's like why are all these different reporters putting all out all this shit and acting like it's so real and true if it uh, falls apart so easily when you just like apply basic scrutiny to it. It's I mean, because I guess Israel is so intertwined with the U.S. Mm-hmm. that it almost just seems like one and the same, that it doesn't even seem like a foreign entity. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. That, I mean, yeah, I was trying to think of another weird story that came out recently where they're 
you know, Jill Stein's getting smeared right now, but she's being actually called in front of the committee. That's what I forgot to say that yeah. she's, she has to turn in emails. Yeah. That's what's so nuts. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. She has to, she's, she's going to go testify. Yeah. Wow. And let's really briefly, I know that we have so much to get into. I wanted to talk about the Jerusalem move because <clears throat> it is so disgusting that Trump did this. It's, it's purely provoking, stoking the flames all symbolic right you no one can tell no one can move a capital <laughs> like the u.s is not going to be able to move the capital jerusalem so it's just it, or i mean basically it's just so disgusting but at the end of the day it is very hypocritical for like the quote-unquote resistance including diane feinstein including all these democrats to say that this was wrong because back in 1995 a law was passed by Congress that every single Democratic senator voted for. Um, it was called the Jerusalem Embassy Act, 1995. Quote, it required the relocation of the United States Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. And the measure also required the U.S. to recognize the city as the capital. So it passed overwhelmingly in the Senate, but it has never been implemented due to a loophole that allowed all the successive presidents from Bill Clinton to Obama the option to waiver like to like issue waivers every six months to like delay this from enacting because they knew it would be like totally detrimental and like disastrous, mm -hmm. especially with like, I mean, that probably had, that probably was like right for the second intifada that they like did that law and they just been like putting it on the back burner this whole time. And it's funny, like now today, like Diane Feinstein's like writing a letter like to Trump saying like, this is a horrible measure. And it's like, well, why don't you guys like renege yeah. on your vote? I mean, talk yeah, about yeah. how this vote needs to be abolished. So basically it is funny. It's like one of those things where Trump is a disgusting pig who's who's doing a really horrible thing but at the same time it's like the news is getting it all wrong and like yeah, the yeah, story yeah, yeah. is super convoluted and like doesn't make Reminds sense. Reminds me of the Iraq war a little bit in the sense that in the 90s all the Democrats, even more of them, including Bernie Sanders, even though he didn't vote for the Iraq war sanctions later and stuff. in 2003 or whatever, he didn't just vote for sanctions. He voted for like the, I don't even remember what the act was called, but it was basically like we wanted this certain faction of Iraq to overthrow the mm -hmm. Iraqi government because of their weapons of mass destruction. They like made a pledge to do regime change in Iraq. When it finally came... Even though most of them all voted for it again, they regretted it very quickly because they knew it was like a terrible, right? Politically speaking, you know, right? Which is sad that they didn't just realize killing that many people for no reason was a bad idea, right? You want to hear something else funny? The call to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital, which is even crazier than moving the embassy. I think that was in the official Democratic Party platforms of 2016 and 2008. Mm -hmm. um, this was literally part and parcel in the platform of the Obama administration and Hillary's campaign. Um, in 2008, the platform said Jerusalem is and will remain the capital of Israel. The parties have agreed that Jerusalem is a matter for final status negotiations. It should remain an undivided city accessible to people of all faiths. But again, will remain the capital of Israel. Um, and you have Chuck Schumer, who's the Senate minority leader. This is like a guy who's like a Democratic Party leader. And he also um, came out and he was like, this is great. He's like, I totally support Trump's move to do this. Great job. Of course. Yeah, of course he would. And then uh, and then Nikki Haley, neocon Hay. Oh, my God. She's the craziest. At the UN, she's like issuing threats. She, she said... 
We're going to be taking names. Well, tell, taking set, names. set up why. I mean, what, okay, so what happened at the vo- UN? So before the vote, yeah. all the world's countries were going to vote on this measure. Were they going to move their embassies to Jerusalem too? So before the vote happened, Nikki Haley made like a ominous warning to everyone, like a threat. Basically, she said, the U.S. is going to be taking names and we're going to pull funding from the U.N. if you guys like ignore voting with us. She said the U.S. will remember this day in which it was singled out for attack in the General Assembly for the very act of exercising our right as a sovereign nation. Um, We will remember it when we are called upon once again to make the world's largest contribution to the U.N. and we will remember it when so many countries come calling on us as they so often do. This is grotesque um, and then by a 128 to 9 vote Basically, everyone just denounced it. And, of course, Pussy, Canada, and Australia abstained because they're just total neoliberal douchebags. But, yeah, I mean, every overwhelmingly, the world's consensus was, nah, this is insane. So what do they do? They already have, like, cut funding. Um, I just read an article right before we started the podcast that he's already, like, threatening or he's already going forward with cutting funding to the U.N. Um, really quickly. Which is very John yeah. Bolton-esque right. uh, behavior. I mean, very Bush-era cowboy diplomacy. That's what's so interesting about you know everyone being as scared of hillary the neocon is she wouldn't have done stuff like this this is almost like a more a certain faction of the george w bush administration's mentality more than anything else i've seen before maybe somewhat reagan-esque but in like the more neocon like scary ways that's what that's how much we don't want to make america great again yeah we want to make israel first i mean at least 12 people have died in palestine since the since this has happened including the murder of a double amputee who already had Mm -hmm. lost his legs in an Israeli airstrike in 2008. He was killed on the Gaza border holding a little flag just in a wheelchair. So he's dead. Um, And then then these assholes were like, he was a terrorist. They said, he said that he was going to be a martyr. It's like, fuck you. You think that fucking someone saying they're going to be a martyr means I'm a terrorist? Look up what the fuck that word means. (laughs) And when you're surrounded by everyone dying constantly or in jail, you're going to honor martyrdom because it's like, it's like, that's all you have. Like all you have is religion to double down on. Like, (laughs) God damn it. These Sam Harris-esque people just make me sick. It's like, just no analysis at all about what the hell is going on which is such it's just such xenophobia at a reptilian level it's just because like you don't you're not in that culture you don't understand it you you know draw all these extremely distorted i mean it's just yeah it's really disappointing when i see that kind of shit but it's like that it's it's seriously like the sam harris argument with i'll never forget that debate with chris hedges where he said palestinians celebrate death and they all like train their children to be suicide bombers it's like wait have you you should go yeah you should actually go to palestine because yeah, you yeah, sound yeah. like a fucking dumbass dude yeah. like a hundred percent i mean that's just like sociopathic and also there hasn't been a suicide shit. bombing yeah. for like fuck you sam harris like 15 years parent. it's like not even yeah. you know um one really amazing thing that happened is lord a really famous new zealand artist canceled her concert in tel aviv because of calls for bds she she made an extremely eloquent statement articulating her views it wasn't because of you know a campaign online it was she said that she talked to a lot of friends who informed her about the plight of palestinians and she said she made the right move she canceled her tour good on you lord throw lord a tweet or a little facebook message and tell her thank you because it's a really big deal yeah um to do this and it's all these assholes trying to basically say that it's um 
It's total bullshit because she's still playing in St. Petersburg, Russia. Because <laughs> they're human rights abuses. And it's like, you really cannot possibly make the argument that Russia is like, has like a segregated part of the population in like an open air prison. I would almost support the BDS call like here in yeah, the US. Yeah, oh, me too. Absolutely, dude. Like, are you Fuck kidding the me? the US. Dude, Fuck co- it. boycott the US yeah, for its bullshit. human rights violations. What do you mean St. Yeah. Petersburg? Yeah, it's so funny. Good I, God. I made, tried to make that argument to a, a techno musician guy that it goes under the name Mono Lake, and I don't know if he necessarily agreed with me, but he's like, <laughs> should I not play in Russia anymore because of the gay laws a few years ago? And I was like, well, if that's the criteria you're using, you shouldn't play here. Right. Because we've killed like a million people in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. Um, I have to mention the tax plan too. This is a $1.5 trillion tax plan that all Paul Ryan has to say is you're getting $1,000 and everyone who is a MAGA sycophant is just like, great, we're all winners of this. It is a huge giveaway for corporations. I don't know how many times Trump said during the campaign that he would never cut Social Security and Medicare. Yeah. These are not entitlements. These are things that when you pay, when you work a job your whole life, you are putting funds away in a savings account. Yeah. So they are just ro- they just robbed us blind. All of our hard work over the years. It's not like a fucking 401k. I mean, this is like straight up your taxes going into a fund that is for you. They stole it, guys. <laughs> They're stealing it from us. So this $1.5 trillion tax plan, big old Christmas present for corporations, 13 million poised to lose their health care. Um, 90 million working families get a tax hike. The the independent CBO or whatever that, that organization that like is supposed to be a nonpartisan um, analyzing like economic organization. I mean, it's unbelievably um, discriminatory towards poor and working class people. It's like literally if you are making like under $80,000, you get like totally screwed. Um, and, and Trump himself is going to, he could save, according to the Americans for Tax Fairness, found that Trump could save at least $11 million a year and perhaps as much as $22 million a year from the tax plan that he just signed. At Mar-a-Lago, he made a big announcement right after it was signed. He was like, you guys all just got a lot richer to his friends there. Holy shit. Um, really quickly, what could we do with that $1.5 trillion? Obviously, make college tuition free. It could provide universal preschool. We could re- actually repri- repair crumbling infrastructure. We could fund chip that little poor health insurance for kids like the, or was mm. it the school? I forget what chip <laughs> is, but it's like for either health insurance or for children. We could fund it for over a century. We could even just totally rebuild Puerto Rico for that much money. So it, it's it's nuts. I mean, this is this is way the Trump phenomenon is so much more than racism, misogyny and bigotry. That's just the cover for the power grabs that are going on. It is a structural dismantling of the checks and balances of power. It's stacking the judicial courts with right-wing evangelical judges, and it's basically attacking legitimacy of any institutions that are remotely holding him accountable. And that's that in itself is fascistic because these things that are happening behind the scenes are just consolidating power. Mm-hmm. And it's very scary because like you said, no one's talking about the real meat mm-hmm. of what he's doing. Or no one's laying it out quite like how you just did. I mean, there's no larger analysis of what he's doing beyond the, I don't know. Yeah. It's like there was better stuff about Bush. I feel like 
I, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it is really strange. People are just so off target sometimes talking about him. People yeah. just get caught up too much too, and about the internal drama going on in his administration. Right. While some of it is interesting, it's like, what is the larger train? What is the train that he's like already? You know, the momentum of that. What is that going to do? Where is that going? It's just nobody's really analyzing it fully. Yeah, and it's, but it needs to be analyzed. <laughs> Well, should we do a whole other one for North Korea now, or should we just yeah. keep going with this? No, let's do a whole other one. Okay. So we're going to do a second podcast all about this insanity with North Korea um, <laughs> allegedly courting anthrax to, like... Yeah, there's some new anthrax shit coming up soon, and it's really, really disturbing because... I say coming up soon because <laughs> there's a bunch of stories already in the news talking about how North Korea is developing anthrax and is about to like launch missiles with them uh, anthrax on the tips of them and i don't know guys um not saying go get cipro but definitely be very uh concerned when you start seeing stuff that very closely mimics iraq war propaganda to like a t and all it's at uncanny once, yeah really really disturbing so thank you so much for listening, you guys. Please donate to our Patreon, Media Roots Radio. Um, also, a quick plug, we also um, recorded, made sure that all the Empire Files episodes were audio versions. So we dubbed over the voices for everyone that we have subtitles for from Ecuador to, to uh, Palestine and stuff. So check it out um, on SoundCloud as well, the Empire Files playlist. And please donate to Media Roots Radio. Um, we survive on your donations. They really invigorate us when you guys, you know, show us even with $5 a month. Someone told me that Patreon made it more expensive, you know, like they, but I think they lifted that because of so much outrage about it because someone told me that they were donating a dollar to us a month, and but it was like costing them more because Patreon was like taking money from them or something. So I think that that's gone. So please, a dollar, five dollars, whatever. If you like our radio show, just just help us out. Um, it really helps the operating costs because we spend a lot of time preparing and, and getting this out there. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for, so much for your feedback on the last couple episodes. I did want to issue a correction. Um, one story that I said about the guy who died from a lack of insulin. Someone who knew him told me that that was not true and that the story was wrong. So um, I apologize for getting that story wrong. Again, these news cycles are just out of control where it just, you know, they just take a source and then just run with it. And I apologize for not being more um, critical with, with that reporting. So thanks so much for listening. Let us know what you think, you guys. And I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas Merry and a Christmas, Happy Holidays. Everybody. Have a Happy New Year. Have a Happy New Year. Bye.